Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And normally I have a discussion with someone quite a bit younger than I, but today we're kind of on equal terms as we talk. We're not uh, that much different in age. Um, we have a friend visiting us who had a, a daughter that went through Nicolay Bible Institute, and we're at the end of the Nicolay Bible Institute year. And so he's here for the graduation promotion ceremonies or whatever we do here on uh, on campus and so we're glad to have him here and he has a a very unique calling in life where, where did you grow up his name's mike and mike where did you grow up i grew up in the middle of the amazon rainforest um about as far away from civilization as you can get without actually starting to get close to somebody else yeah now th tell me you know people are listening going i have no clue uh, what that actually looks like or it, what experiences you have. If you grow up in a rainforest, what do you do as a kid? What are your activities? You get up in the morning, what do you do? Um, yeah, it's, it was, it was uh, looking back, I would not, would not trade my, my uh, growing up years for anything. I had free reign, free run of the, of the jungle with my Yanomamu friends, and uh, we all made our own bow and arrows. And and from earliest age, we were out hunting and fishing and and uh, just running through the running through the jungle. It was just quite a quite a life. Um, but then early on, I began to realize a fear that they lived under, a fear that I couldn't relate to because I didn't I didn't know uh, what was causing that that fear. But it was a it was a very fascinating and interesting life growing up with the Yanomamu. Now, wh why were you with the Yanomamu in the first place? My parents had gone to Venezuela in 1953 as, as uh, some of the first missionaries to work with the Yanomama tribe. And, and uh, uh, just, it was, it was un unreal. When they, when they got up there, they, after 10 long days on the river, 10 or 12 long days on the river, the, they came to this little uh, clearing on the, on the riverbank and, and uh, uh, they got out. There was a, a, two single guys there and they were shown what they they were moving into the house that the two single guys had made. Yeah, I, it was a hut, just a palm mud mud wall sure. hut. Actually, all the whole thing was palm. And they the next morning, bright and early, the boat headed on back down river, taking the two single guys with them, leaving my dad and mom up in this uh, this village, which was empty at the time. There was nobody there. Um, they the the people were all out on trek, so they had about two weeks of a very casual vacation. My parents at that time had had four four children. Wow! The oldest in, was in a one room place. Just a one little room. Yeah, yeah. and uh, my 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 older sister had been born two weeks after they got to Venezuela, and so she's now about a month and a half old. Wow! And and uh, uh, there they are up in the jungle. Just there's no communication. There's no way in or out. There's they're just up there. And after about two weeks, they, they begin to wonder if the people were ever going to come back. Huh. Well, um, um, my mom was peeling the very last of the potatoes that they had that they had brought with right. them and getting ready to put them in a pressure cooker. And she's peeling them, singing to herself. And all of a sudden, in the window right next to where she was standing, there was this naked Yanomama man grinning at her with a big grin, great big wad of tobacco in his mouth, <laughs> and just scared her to death. Well, immediately the house was full of people, women and men and women, and they were just, they were exuberant. The Yanomama are very exuberant, open people, and they were trying to talk to these new missionaries, and the, the missionaries didn't, have, didn't know how to say not one word wow. in their language. 
And and uh, so they're just kind of backed up against the wall and and watching the people. They're trying. My mom was doing laundry. They're trying on their clothes. And and she had a, a pan of dough that where she was making bread. And they're poking their fingers yeah, in this yeah, dough. And yeah. and uh, and they're just kind of standing back against my 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 old two older brothers and two older sister kind of clinging to mom's skirts. And, oh, and sure. they don't know what's going on. And and all of a sudden, with a hiss and a roar, the pressure cooker blew up. Oh man! My mom had forgotten to put water in it. Oh! And so uh, the house just emptied. People crashing through the palm walls and everything. <laughs> they did not know what was going on, and so Dad and Mom looked at each other and and uh, just started laughing. They didn't know what else to do, you know. Right. And uh, all of a sudden, this guy reaches out from under the table, and grabs Mom by the ankle, and came up, and stood up, and gave her a tongue lashing. That she said if she could have understood him, she'd probably still be afraid. <laughs> but uh, he finally turned around and stormed out with as much dignity as a naked man who'd been hiding under the table could muster. <laughs> <laughs> so they thought that was the end of it. Well, uh, about two weeks later, they're outside cooking over an open fire. And my little infant sister, older sister, is, is uh, in a little crib that dad had made there out of, out of some poles. And this guy, the same guy, walks out of the jungle, walks right without saying nothing he walks up to that crib picks up this month and a half old little infant baby and turns and starts walking back up to the jungle oh man and just my mom was frantic as you can imagine right she's running beside him beating him trying to grab the baby away from him. he wouldn't give her back she's beating him on the you know just with her trying to get his attention trying to stop him and dad says he looked over at his shotgun and he thought wow you know what do i do what what do i do and he said god you've got to do something i can't do it and the guy got right to the edge of the jungle and turned around and handed the baby back to mom. Hmm. So for years, they thought that was his way of avenging himself for having been scared under the table. Well, Just scaring uh, your mom. Just scaring my mom. Just scaring my mom. Um, a number of years later, probably 30, close to 30 years later, my sister and her husband are now working in a village closer to the Brazilian border. And, and uh, this guy, older man, came in, and he's staring at my sister and looking at her because my sister really looked like my mom. Yeah. And, and uh, so finally he starts talking, and he says, uh, a long time ago, I knew this. I met these people. They lived in, in Mahikoroteri. And, and he said, uh, and Sandy said, oh, that's, that was my mom and dad. That was my mom and dad. And he said, yeah. He said, I, I almost stole their baby. I had already decided I was going to steal their baby. And I was going to raise her. My my wife was going to raise her to be a wife for me. And he said, I don't know why. All of a sudden, I just I couldn't go through with it. I just had to stop and give the baby back. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's what, that's what we all said when we heard that story. Yeah. Well, there, know, there are a lot of stories like that. Probably. We serve an amazing, awesome God. Yeah. Now, if you want to uh, hear some fascinating stories, you can go back on the podcast and look for Mike and Dave, and they're, they're, they're back there somewhere on the list, so you can go back there and listen to them. And, and um, you'll see amazing stories of how God has provided for them. You know, when you think about it, you think your parents had this burden to bring the gospel to people that never heard it, and they got the chance to do that. Is there a church? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast forward for a lot of years. Yeah. You're down there now. You're still there. Yeah. Your kids were born there. All born there. And they're back here in the States. Actually, I take that back. Our three boys were born there. Our two daughters were born in the U.S. Okay. Because I'm, I'm a Venezuelan citizen by birth. 
I was born in the jungle. Right. And because of that, when the uh, we were at the U.S. Uh, embassy in Venezuela back when they still had one there, and and uh, these this, the 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 counselor in, in charge of the embassy saw that my my new wife was was pregnant, and and uh, he said, "Now you," he he knew she was a Venezuelan. Right. So he said, "Now you realize if this baby is born in Venezuela." you will not automatically get U.S. citizenship uh, because our, our boys got the citizens, U.S. citizenship from their mother, right. from Renee. Um, but, uh, and so, Renee, just for the record, was your first wife who, who actually died in the she jungle. She passed away of, of a malaria attack right. okay. there in the jungle. Yeah. Yeah. A dear friend of ours for many years and was here at camp for so many years, and that's how we got connected right. in, the, in the first place. And so, uh, so yeah, you had. It's good they mentioned it. It really is. And so, because of that, we uh, we made plans to have our daughters born back here in the U.S. Okay. And and so now, you're kind of an empty nester in Venezuela. I am for the first time. For the first time uh, since uh, 1983, we're empty nesters. And and Mia jokingly told us. She said, uh, "Well." Um, now you can find out if you're really compatible or not. Yeah, yeah, true, <laughs> true. Well, you know, it's interesting because you're, you're actually the first person I ever talked to that's an empty nester in the jungles of Venezuela. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not like we find that all the time. Uh, but is there a, an active church now? I mean, when you came, there were no believers. Right, right. It, what about today? And then we'll get in between and talk about stuff in between. But are, are there believers today? Is There it, There yeah. are. Oh. There are. We have a, a strong functioning church in in, uh, in Cochiloteri, our home village. And we have many little, small uh, churches placed in many different villages where we currently continue to work on an itinerant uh, uh, base time. And... And uh, because because our whole desire with the Yanomamo is to give them a and their own church, I didn't want to go right. down there and be their pastor. Right. Uh, our desire was to give them their own church leadership. There, it would be their church. And you know, I, I'm sure you you we've I think we've even talked about this at the the to have a New Testament. Uh, right. indigenous church, you have to have a, a group of believers that are self-governing, self-supporting, and self-propagating. Right. And so we've really made an attempt to uh, to, to do that. Um, and they have a strong church. To give you an example, we, we had a, during Semana Santa, which is Easter week, they decided that they were going to have a whole week of, of, uh, of, of meetings from Sunday to Sunday. Okay. And we had we had already decided the church had already decided that instead of having everybody come to Kosh, which is what we had done over uh, Christmas and New Year's that whole week, we had everybody at, at, at we brought people from I don't know ten or twelve different villages and and just they went all week long and it was a wonderful time wonderful time, but it takes a lot a right. lot of food a lot of you know a lot of it we probably had I don't know fifteen sixteen hundred people in the village. That normally is about eight hundred people. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of it was a lot of people, hmm. and so we had thought, well, let's let's do it different. Let's we'll take the elders. The elders can go out to these different um, villages, and they'll get the people from around those each of those villages, and we'll just divide it up like that. Well, it, it, they they everybody agreed to that. Well, then the the few of the elders that weren't going out said, well, we can't just not do anything here. We have to do something here. So then they mm-hmm. decided to do something. So I, my recommendation was, let's go from Friday to Sunday. Well, they decided they'd go the whole week. And literally, when, when we always send out hunters. Right. Normally, I go. But this time, 
both Kayla and I were got really sick. And a crazy thing, it was it was it was actually COVID again. Oh man. Yeah, I know that yeah. and it was just crazy. COVID so, in the jungle. I know. And yeah. we couldn't do anything. So I said, you know, I'm not gonna be able to go hunting with you guys, but you know, I'll try to help with, with fuel and whatnot. Well, they brought back enough meat for three days. Wow. But uh, it was just interesting to see how God did continue to supply for that. And they went from, from we had uh, our early morning from 6 to 8, which I taught that in spite of being sick. And then they went from 9 to, to they were supposed to end at 12, but they went from 9 to 2, and then from 6 to 12 every night. Wow. So they had a phenomenal time. And then the last Sunday, they went all night long, just wow. praising God. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a real thrill. That's got to thrill your heart because you have been in the jungle since they didn't know Christ. Absolutely. And yeah. to watch now to see a church there and, and, and you know, your, your mom and dad watching from heaven. Amen. And being able to see that and see all the different parts that made that available through the years and all the, I mean, this is a, being down there, I mean, people are listening right now saying, what a glamorous life. You're fishing, you're hunting, you're, you're in the northern Wisconsin, this is the life. You know, I mean, you're, <laughs> that's the life. In reality, a lot of heartache, a lot of tough times, but yet as you look back with the satisfaction, your parents did something. Yeah. You were able to carry it on. And, you know, I look here at Silver Birch Ranch, as you see the same thing. My dad started something, I was able to carry it on. And what a heritage to be able to pass on to another generation, yeah. or at least to the own people, you know, you're the people that are there. Yeah. Um, you and know, I look at you, though, and I think, I know you're passing it or making sure the indigenous Venezuelans have it. But you're kind of an indigenous Venezuelan. So yeah. in my own head, I'm going, I know you consider yourself American. Yeah. But in many ways, you're very Venez- you're, you're very Yanomamo-ish. Yeah. In your, but you can you can flip your switch and do whatever you need to. Thankfully, so. I've always been able to flip that yeah. switch. Yeah. 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 I've always been able to flip that switch. But, you know, back to what you were saying about the heritage and stuff and, and looking back and seeing what God's done. And you know this as well as I do. It's amazing the partners that God has brought alongside of each of these ministries yep. that we're talking about and doing stuff that that we could never ever even dream of doing right uh, but it's because of people faithfully giving and people being involved and people saying hey you know we want to be a partner of this and they partner along with us and they 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 pick up the slack where we can't go and I was telling you about the torches yeah tell tell the people what those are because once again, you you look at something like what's going on in your area, and you're somebody that says, you know what, we've seen God work, we know he's working, there's a church established, we want to help them mm-hmm. grow and help evangelize. You are far from everywhere. Yes. And yet you have this plan where things are working. What are these torches you're talking about? A, a tor- it's kind of a little bit of a play on words. The, uh, the torch is a, is a flashlight. It's also a lamp, but it's an audio device that, uh, that you can put. I, I, don't, I forget the, um, the amount of gigabytes that they come with. Yeah. But it, we have the entire Yanomama New Testament uh, audio on, on, that, on that device. We have others, other lessons that we've done in Yanomama, including um, God's story from creation to eternity. It's just a chronological overview of the entire Bible. And, and uh, that along with, they come, they come preloaded with a um, uh, lot of different Spanish lessons and stuff like that. So they're just phenomenal tools uh, for, where we, for where we are. So, so incredible that, that 
we've had people paddle one way over a week to get one. And and it breaks my heart because we don't have any more right now. Right. We're, we're, we're out of them. We took um, uh, In Touch Ministries, partnered with us to give us uh, 250 torches and 250 messengers, a little bit smaller version sure. of the same thing. So you had 500. We had 500, and we gave we put them out in um, 44 different, I think it was 44 different Yanomama villages. And uh, we have another 250 right now in Caracas waiting for us. When we go back in the end of this month, we'll take those with us. And we're planning on putting those in some of the furthest away villages that we can get to by outboard motor and dugout canoe. Now, do they speak all the same language in the further the ones villages? That, the ones that we're giving, the people that we're giving them to, they, they all speak Yanomama. Okay. Now, we have given some to, to a few Yekwana villages because they're part they're they're kind of mixed with the Yanomama now and they they know enough Yanomama that they can they can uh, they can understand and, and and listen and it's been our prayer with these torches and we've asked everybody to pray that as we give these out that God would direct us to the right person that we would give these these torches to the to the to who it's supposed to go to and and it's just it's the feedback we're getting back from them is just it's just amazing we are really, really um, incredibly happy with with what we're hearing back from the people, and you know we're we're told we're told that God's word will never return void, but it will accomplish what it's supposed to do, and we're also told that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So these torches provide that. Now, do I believe that the torch can totally stand alone? No, I'm not trying to say that. We're not trying to use that as an excuse for us not having to go right. because we, we follow up and we do go and we, we of course have to go take to them. every tribe, right? And live we there can't go all. to every village yeah. and live there. Exactly. And most of these people cannot read or write their own language. Now you call them villages. I just use tribe. Is that, no, is that they, it, these are villages of one tribe, the Yanomami okay, tribe. So the village and the tribe. Right. There's many villages okay. in one tribe. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, being American growing up in Chicago <laughs> gangs, I get. Yeah. The, you know, tribe. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but, so far, and it was just funny. Let me just just tell this one story with this guy. He came. He paddled from about three days away. He's a believer, a good friend. We 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 do a lot in his village. Well, he 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 heard we had him. He paddled and and he got there, and I had one left, and so I told him. I said, Miguelito, I have one left, and and uh, so I gave it to him with the whole spiel that I they take care of it. You know, this is given with with you know this is God's word. Treat it with respect, and and. Uh, Two weeks later, he was back, and he said, I came for a, another torch. And I said, I told you it was the last one I had. And he said, that just makes me so angry all over again. <laughs> and I said, wait, wait. I said, I told you I, when I gave you the torch. And he said, no, no, I'm not angry at you. He said, here's what, he said, these, these little devices are solar charged. Right. And so uh, he said, I was working in my garden, and I was charging it so I could listen, because I listened to it almost all night, he says. And he said, I came home, and somebody had stolen it. And I kind of knew who had done it. So I grabbed up my war club and I stormed out into the middle of the village. And I'm just daring this guy in the most <laughs> abusive way I you can. You stole my Bible. Right? <laughs> and he said, all of a sudden, I, I stopped and I thought to myself, I thought, wait, what are you doing? Right. You're telling people about a God of love. You're telling people that this God of love died to save them. And now you're threatening to beat them up yeah. because they stole your your messenger that's telling you about this God of love. He said, so I slunk back to my, my, my hut. And, uh, but I, I thought I'd come back just to see if I could get another one. Yeah. But, uh, now what do those torches cost? If you buy them in lots of a hundred over a hundred, they're about $44 a piece. Okay. 
But uh, it takes quite a bit more than that to get them, actually get them all the way up into the jungle. So when you talk about this, okay, I think people are listening that have no clue as to what this takes to transport. Because, again, we're, we're Americans who have paved roads to go nowhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Basically. So that's how we get everywhere. We just go. But when you're talking about somebody traveling or paddling, why don't you guys take airplanes, little airplanes? Why, why don't you go with mission airplane things and get yeah. them to do all your work? We wish in our in our explain fantasies. why yeah uh, we had we had um, uh, air service up until two thousand and five to February of two thousand and six uh, missionary aviation was kicked out of Venezuela and so since that time we have not had we have not had our own our own air service so travel is extremely difficult uh, as a matter of fact of the eighty six little jungle airstrips that uh, New Tribes Mission Aviation and Missionary Aviation Fellowship used up in the up in the southern Venezuelan jungle. Uh, there's only six left. Wow. And ours is one. Ours is one of them. And those other six, the other five are are paved, government-run airstrips. Wow. So there's they're not in any. There are no longer any airstrips functioning in any Yanomama indigenous village. Wow. So we can ask the people listening if they're believers to pray that somehow someday you can get. Air service back Amen. there? Amen, amen. Yeah, and you know. Well, you know, again, it's like really, And we, you, you think someone could fly in or something. Maybe yeah. we, we have an old F-16 they're not using. You could borrow that. <laughs> I, I have no idea. <laughs> I know, that was probably a smart crack, but yeah. you know, who knows? It, it seems bizarre to me that you can't get a plane in there. Yeah, well, and the, the, the real sad part is is that is that we've, we actually raise the funds, and we're not fundraisers. Right. Not in the first, but we, we – uh, had got enough funds to buy a Cessna 206, outfit it for jungle service, and it's a beautiful airplane. But now there is no avgas in Venezuela, and uh, it, uh, aviation takes a special right. high octane right. fuel, and you can't just run it on a car engine. Right. And so uh, there we sit. And our son Ryan, you know Ryan. Right. He's he he uh, went through all his uh, pilot mechanics training so he could be our pilot and he's now flying on loan to another mission in uh, Peru. He's actually with a, another Nikolai Bible Institute right, mechanic right, over there right. in Peru so there's two of them there right. so that's kind of fun. Yeah and we were we visited them in November yeah. because now there's no direct flights to Venezuela you have to go through a third country oh. so we went through we went um, uh, United States Peru then Venezuela. Hmm. Well you know you're talking about those those uh, torches and, and how they spread the gospel uh, just tell you, just in my backyard sometimes when I'm working, I just play the Bible. Mm, amen. And I do it for this reason. I figure Satan hates this. I'm going to play it and make him listen to it if he's around. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds dumb, but it's like, you know what? This is what the power, this is where the power is right yeah. here. It's amen. in God's word. Amen. And I can just, when you talked about that, because I do that in my backyard when I'm working, it's like, you know, I could picture Satan getting angry. There, yeah. There's God's word being broadcast in the middle of a territory that He used to control. Totally control. And now, totally control. There's the truth, just spewing out of these things. And the beauty it, of it is, is most of the Yanomami villages are just an open shop. They call it a shabunal. And so, if a guy is li listening to his torch, almost everybody in the village just has to listen to it, rather they, if even if they don't want to. Now, Americans aren't really aware of the spiritual warfare that you've seen. Right. You've seen Satan be bothered. Yes. I, I explain that because it's like you know we don't we don't 
We don't believe that. I yeah. mean, we don't see it. Yeah. Um, for uh, just one story comes to my mind really, really uh, quick. Uh, when we were kids, back in and we came back on furlough, and this uh, this uh, pastor in Washington D.C. gave my dad a great big pile of Southern gospel Christian music. Sure. And so we went. We had a nice record player, and and uh, my sisters would play that as loud as it would go all day long. Uh-huh. Well, we had been moved. The mission leadership had moved my dad to a, to another. My dad and mom to another village. Uh, where the the mission was having a really hard time. There was just a lot of uh, demonic activity in that village, and it it was just they they it was kind of a last. They were the last sure chance they were given this village. So we, my sisters were playing this music, and after I don't know how how long, all of a sudden there was just a pounding on the door, and my dad opened the door, and there's these four main witch doctors of the of the village were standing there, and they said Bebiwa. That's what they called my dad. They said yep. Bebiwa. You have to stop the noise coming out of this house. And my dad said, noise? What noise? I have no idea what you're talking about. They said, mm-hmm. that, that, oh, sorry, yep. that tuna that you're listening to that, that's coming out of this house all the time. Dad said, whatever for? That, and he used the word Spanish for music. He said, that's just mu- musica that we're, we're playing. We're, we're, we're right. um, you know, we're worshiping our creator, our maker, Yaipara. And, and uh, why should that bother you? And they said, our demons will not come. As long <laughs> as you're playing that music, they will not come. Yep. And they pointed out to a kind of to the horizon a little bit. And they said, look, see, that's as close as they'll come. See them all over there? They will not come any closer. We all craned our necks to see. I yeah, didn't, I didn't, I didn't see anything. Yeah. But they obviously thought they could or wow. did. And, wow. and, uh, and so, but... That there is real power in the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, and I've told people this, and I, I say it kind of in, in criticism of myself because it's amazing the power that the witch doctors recognize in us. They recognize God's spirit. They yeah. recognize uh, this power that they can't, they can't have, they can't control, they, you know, they can't intimidate. They recognize a power that we have that I'm ashamed to say, I think more than we do. Right. And that's sad. Right. Uh, that, that and they... even the power of God's word. Amen. The, the power of just speaking the truth and in our country, the truth. And we're going to talk about that in the second half. But even even the idea, you know, I think people are listening. They're, they could be listening on a Q90, a radio station that plays this. They could be on a podcast. I want to encourage you, play God's word, play Christian music, play it. Play Amen. it aloud. Amen. You know, we put it in our earbuds. Maybe Satan can hear that too. But go ahead and fill the air with it. I do. You know, let it, <laughs> let them let them struggle. Let Satan struggle with the truth. The only reason that we will be okay is because God defends us. That's Amen. it. And when Satan is bothered because the truth goes out, that's where he should be. And we're gonna continue our discussion. If you're new to uh, younger older, we invite you to go to our website and. Uh, it's silverbirchranch.org and click on there and you can get over to various podcasts. I also want to invite you, if you want to know more about what Mike's doing and you want to know more about the torches, you want to help support that or, or buy like 3,000 torches or something, just contact me through that website and I will get you in contact with Mike. All right. We don't want to put his address out here for people right now, but my address is public. So go ahead and do that. And I'll get you in touch. He also sends out a great newsletter that you can be a part of, and I enjoy reading that whenever it comes and whenever the Internet works for him. 
I'm Dave Wager again, and we're here on Younger Older, uh, brought to you from Silver Birch Ranch and the Nicolay Bible Institute. Goodbye for now.